Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Buy or sell any product or security. Del Wamsley here. The first thing you're going to have to learn is that until you stop expecting our politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Listen to my show, the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Right here on KCAA, now broadcasting on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. The stations that leave no listener behind. KCAA Loma Linda. Listen online at www.kcaaradio.com. Hey, this is Gary Garver. You know, I've been having trouble getting a good night's sleep lately. Maybe you have too. Well, if you have been, South Pacific Sleep Lab can help you out. South Pacific Sleep Lab provides a personal study to help you find out how to get a great night of sleep. I've been having sleeping issues during the night lately for a number of reasons. South Pacific Sleep Lab evaluated me with an overnight study of my sleep pattern. With their professional staff, they were able to provide me with a diagnosis of my sleep pattern. And ever since, I haven't had much of a problem getting a great night of sleep. South Pacific Sleep Lab has locations throughout Southern California, including one in Fontana, and they will provide transportation to any of their locations at no cost to you. South Pacific Sleep Lab can help you out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just give them a call at 844-SAD-5050 to schedule your appointment today. That's 844-SAD-5050. We consider ourselves a guilty pleasure. The Mitch and Kathy Show. Every Tuesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or 3 to 5 p.m. Pack time on 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, or KCAARadio.com. Did you know here at KCAA 1050 AM that we developed an app for all your Android devices? We're talking about your smartphone, your tablets, you name it. You have an Android format, you can take KCAA with you everywhere you go. We're talking about our audio stream, our video stream, and even our podcast. Go to KCAAExpress.com. That's KCAAExpress.com. KCAAExpress.com. KCAA Loma Linda. KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Brother Mike Calhoun. Um, if you'll open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, I wanted to share a little bit about a passage of Scripture here. We come to an apocalyptic portion of Scripture here, and uh, it presents just a couple of challenges um, because they're, depending on where you stand, uh, in your theology on it. And, and really, there, it's a, uh, I'm not a, a pantheologist. I don't think it's just going to pan out in the end. I, re- I believe that God has a plan. Uh, you know, but you could be a dispensationalist. You could be pre-trib, post-trib. Uh, those things make, you know, some people, uh, I believe God's going to come and he's going to rapture the church out before the, great, the greatest days of tribulation. But there's going to be some different things that happen coming up to that that we will see, I believe we maybe see some of the signs, the birth pangs of the second coming, of, of the end of the world. And so um, depending on where you land on that, you know, it doesn't, we don't, we don't have to separate and fellowship over that. It's not, you know, uh, something that we would be an issue, we would have civil war over or something like that within the church. It's just that it's passages of scripture that are open to various uh, in, uh, interpretations, uh, but none of them affect the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He's coming back to claim the redeemed, claim those uh, who have placed their faith in him. 
But it's a very interesting study of Scripture. And Brenda has kind of been getting on to me all week. Says, now don't go so deep that we all go to sleep. Okay, that's her little, that's her, that's her big, that's her big mantra to me. Just, you know, give us what Jesus has got. So y'all pray for Brenda because she's a very, she's a great advocate to, uh, to this on me. And y'all didn't have to laugh that hard, but I get the point. We'll just, so we're just going gonna to try to talk about some scripture this morning, preach about some scripture this morning, where Jesus gives some really important encouragement to us as the church, because these are things that are to come, things that are to come. Look at chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, and what it says. Mark says, as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon one upon the other, which will not be tore down. Now looking in another place here in verse 3, he says, And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him, Tell us what all of these things, when will all these things be? And what will be the signs of all of these things that are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place. But that, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places. And there will also be famine. Uh, these things are merely the beginnings of the birth pangs. But you be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts. And you will be flogged in the synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my, my sake. As a testimony to them, the gospel must first be preached to all nations. And when you and when they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand what you're going to say. But whatever is given to you in that hour, for you are to speak. But it is the holy. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will rise up against brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and give them to be put to death. And you will be hated all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end. He will be saved. And then the next verse deals with the abomina great abomination of desolation. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So MacArthur uh, makes a very good argument that most, if not all, he believes all these things are future tense, that all these things are going to happen sometime future tense. There are others who make arguments that some of this has already happened because for sure the temple being torn down, not one stone left upon another, indicates... Uh, probably indicates the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Uh, MacArthur has really six really good arguments where it's in future. I kind of agree with that, that take on that particular passage. But in a broad explanation, just very quickly, in a broad explanation, I think there's maybe four different ways you could, you could look at this, and you still be all right with Jesus, still be all right with the Lord. But one of them is that all of this has happened in the past. There is a group, that, in fact, there's some denominations that believe all of this is all history and it's happened in the past. Some think that this has all happened sometime. It's all going to happen completely. Everything that's there is going to happen sometime in the future. And something, some people believe that some parts of this have happened in the past, and there's some parts that are in the future. So that's three right there. And if not to be even more confusing, there's some make a good argument that it has a dual interpretation that all these things did indeed happen to the past, and they're going to be paralleled, and every one of them is going to happen again in the future. So what, Brother Mike, out of that spaghetti, what can we take? Well, we can take that the Lord is trying to warn them just in the, our short passages here about four, four particular things. One of the things he's going to warn them about is misplaced affections. I'm going to give you the four points of the message this morning. Misplaced affections. Okay, that's number one. The second thing, verse 5 and following, he is going to warn them about an unholy deception, that there's going to be deception that's going to take place. And then in verse 7 and following, he's going to uh, talk about fearful distractions, place, things that are going to happen that are going to cause fear. And then lastly this morning, we're going to talk about something that this strikes terror into my heart to think this is going to happen in the future. But in verse 9 and following, about betrayal and persecution, because we're all concerned about that, about what's going to happen in, in, in the future. Uh, and how is it going to suffer? Will my family suffer? You know, if you uh, have ever watched them, there's actually a genre of videos that you can watch. You can YouTube them, and it's called House Fails. And it's where rivers and different things come up to the side of a house or a housing complex or supermarket sometimes, and it eats away at the foundation, eats away, and you can see it. 
And so the, usually the video is by a house or a home or right, uh, right after a storm, and minute, second by second, and pretty soon it just falls away, and everything just collapses. You know it's coming. You can see it. You can see the mud as it's beginning to flake off from the cliff of the wall. And then all of a sudden, without, without any warning, and it just um, doesn't look natural to see a big structure like that, it will fall off into the river, and it's completely, it's completely destroyed. I'm sure that Jesus had something of that in mind when he said in Matthew 7 and 24 through 27, Everyone who, then who hears the words of mine and does them is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house, it fell and great was the fall of that. Surely Jesus was warning us in a more personal way of what he's also describing in Mark's gospel that's going to happen in a more international and in a more, in a more worldwide way that God's word is going to be held true. He has some coming events, some different things that have been prophesied, and there's going to be great cost, going to be great cost of life, and there's also going to be great cost of life in relationship to eternality, people's eternal lives. This is one of the things that drives our, our passion as, a, as Christians, as we're concerned, we're supposed to be concerned about our community and about our world, and it's a passion that we know eternity is on the line. And when we see a funeral or we hear about somebody who's passing away, one of the very first questions that should come to our mind is, was that person a Christian? Did they have faith in Christ? And, um, you know, I just think that is something that, that ought to be placed on our hearts very heavily. Where is that person spending eternity? So that no matter what your fear is about, that, about being rejected or maybe sharing the gospel and messing up and tripping up or embarrassing yourself, it's not greater than the fear of where is that person going to uh, spend eternity. This was the Savior's fear, and we see it in number one. Uh, he warns them about misplaced, uh, misplaced affections. As he was going out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. We have several ancient historians that talk about the temple. Let me just tell you about a couple of the descriptions of it. They had giant doors, and the, uh, the giant doors that the, the temple had were covered in gold. It was said that whenever the sun set at the right, just in the right way, it was impossible to look upon the temple because it was so bright. It looked like you were shining in the sun. It looked like you were uh, staring directly into the sun just face to face. But coming from a distance from outside of town as you approached Jerusalem and the temple, they said it looked like a mountain covered with snow because the, the, the stones were brilliantly painted white. So it shone like a great, like a great pinnacle in the city of Jerusalem. It was, it was very impressive uh, to look upon. Now, what was the purpose of the temple? The purpose of the temple was a place to meet. It was a place for sacrifice, a place for prayer, a place, place for worship. But in, in the history of the Jewish people, one of the things that was taught was that that was the home of God. And in the sense that that's where God had designated he would come and meet with them at the, the sacrifice, he was, not com he was not confined to that area. It was just a representative place on earth where the, the, his chosen people could come and meet with them. There were other historical um, uh, eccentricities attached to the temple at that particular time. It also became a place, a political center. Uh, the false kings had now begun to deal with, the Herodians began to deal with the Romans. There was a puppet governments that were set in, that were set in place so that the, the, the temple now became a political center. You know, it had been corrupted by that aspect. It also had become a financial center because they took in tremendous amounts of money and offerings and different things. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you that when you see a little mom and pop church organization out in the country or something or a brand new mission, it, they're always just a little bit purer than the institution that is the mega church. I'm just telling you that because when you begin to add men's wisdom, men's finances, and, and growth of the institution, corruption always creeps in. And it had in, in the Jewish people's lives in, in regards to their temple. So it had political, financial, it had social significance in the community because if you messed up and the Jews and the Pharisees, the high priest said, yeah, she's out or he's out because they did this or didn't do that, you were out. You were out in the entire community. You were an outcast. You, didn't, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't buy or sell. You were a pariah to that community. 
So it, 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 it wielded great cultural dominance among those people. And then on top of that, on top of that, you, you add what we already talked about, the brilliance of it, the beauty of the temple. It was overwhelming. And so Jesus, the Messiah, their teacher, their rabbi, they're walking along and said, Master, look at this building. Isn't this a beautiful building? It's, it's so impressive. He said, hey, I'll tell you the truth. Not one stone is going to be left on top of another. They must have, their heads must have rolled and fell off. Their jaws must have opened up. How could this great institution be affected? And so one of the things that he's attacking here, I believe Jesus is trying to reconstruct here for them, is a misplaced affection in institutions and that that is impressive to us visually. Now, I know I'm speaking, in this 21st century crowd, I'm speaking to people who have been around the world. Some of you have been to Europe, and you've been to the great cathedrals of Europe that are empty, but you've been to the great cathedrals and the great uh, synagogues around the world. You've seen uh, natural wonders. Lots of people in this room have been around the world many times, and, and it can impress you. It can begin to impact you the way you think and how you feel about different things. And Jesus says, be careful about those things that impress you that way. Misplaced affection. You know, I, I, have, I have several things that I'm, very, that I'm attached to as an American, as a, as a Christian who's an American. I mean, I'm very, very patriotic, but I have to be careful because nothing is supposed to get in the way between me and my relationship with Christ and Scripture and what he says is going to happen. It does not say in the Bible, and all the nations of the earth turned against Israel except for one, America. It doesn't say that. So, I don't know when, but at some point when the beast comes and he misleads the world, yes, even our great country that I love so much, that I still love this country and I love our flag, it's going to turn its back on the Savior one day. Be careful of your misplaced direction because someone is greater here than the temple. That's what Jesus is saying. We hear that theme throughout the New Testament. I'm going to get to the second point in just a second, I promise. But in Matthew 24, it's implicated that one was greater, that Jesus was greater than Jonah. In Matthew 22 and 41, David, uh, Jesus, it's implicated that he is greater than David. When discussing the question about the Sabbath, uh, the temple is also mentioned in Matthew 12. In Matthew 17, Moses and Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration, one was greater than. One was greater than Moses and Elijah was standing there. His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? And I tell you here in the 21st century in East Texas and Van, Texas, there is one that is greater than anybody and anything, and his name is Jesus. And that's the thing that we have to carry on in our life. We have to be careful about our misplaced affections and, uh, because they will, always, they will always, to some degree, be affected. Let me just read a couple of other verses of Scripture. We'll go to point two. But, you know, Paul, he, when he showed up at the uh, Aragabus uh, in Acts 17, and he was uh, preaching that sermon on Mars Hill, uh, he said, Paul stood in the midst of the Arabicus, and he said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all aspects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is Lord of heaven, does not dwell in temples made with hands. That is a very important passage of scripture for us. We've got to be careful about misplaced affections. And even our buildings, our churches, who hold great sentimental value uh, for us. Listen, if this is all gone tomorrow, if a tornado comes through on Monday, the, the church of Pruitt will still meet that next Sunday But because the church is in this room, live, breathing. God re resides in us in his Holy Spirit. That, that thought is also echoed in 1 Corinthians 6 where he said, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? We have to be careful about where we place our affections. A second thing that Jesus warns them about uh, is about unholy deceptions. Look in verse 5. Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. The word that's used there for mislead is a really important word. It's um, blepto, and it means to, uh, to or rather, excuse me, the word that is used there for look, make sure, pay attention. And, and when he said, see to it, when he says, and Jesus began to say to them, see to it, that's the word blepto. And what it means is that pay attention, pay attention, perceive, take a look at that no one misleads you. And there's another word for that we're going to talk about in just a second. But what Jesus is doing there is calling their attention, make, that there is these false, God, these false teachers, these false prophets are going, to, are going to come. So see to it, pay attention that they don't mislead you. 
there is a spiritual malaise. There's a spiritual apathy in America today. People are spiritual, but yet in a general way. about They're spiritual in the sense about New Age religions, Eastern religions, and things like this. But we're not, we're not paying attention to what it is that's going on around us spiritually. We, we just take it for granted that what is, being, that what is taught oftentimes in school and, uh, and under, the to- under the banner of tolerance, we just take it for granted that universities and colleges and the philosophies, the new world, the new age philosophies that are taught in universities and on campuses are not affecting us because we're not watching, we're not blepto, we're not paying attention. And so when I feel like one of my great callings as a pastor is to call men and women and boys and girls and tell them, pay attention spiritually and the deal is is if you the more of this you learn and take into your heart the more that you learn and take into heart the more beth moore studies you go to, to the men's retreats that you go to the uh couples retreats that we have here and you you say well when will i get it all you don't get it all you don't ever finish you live to be 88 years old and you go to that last bible study over here at the fellowship hall and then that next week you go home to be with the lord you're going to be a student all of your life because you're trying to pay attention about what's going on in the world spiritually so you're not going to be deceived at some point point. and oh how many times has it been a faithful grandparent a faithful grandmother who was talking to one of their great ch- grandchildren or whatever and said no honey now that thing that you're talking about right there the bible speaks about that and it's wrong And be careful of that because the Lord said this. Are you going to be that kind of grandparent? I'm talking to young folks. and I guess that's me. I'm kind of somewhere in that group. Are you going to be that kind of spiritual leader in your home, male or female, where you make sure that the people that you love are paying attention? Because these days are coming to us. And he says, let's look at some of the things that he wanted us to pay attention. He said, many will come. I guess I'd be a little bit more comforted if he'd said only a few would come, or just one is going to come. That's not what he said. Many are going to come, and he, he even identifies them. He said, see that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. Well, does that mean as they come that they're going to say that they are what we would call Judeo-Christianity type messiahs? No. He's saying anybody who comes saying, I am he who can only do what God can do. Because the word there, I am, is a reference about God. You remember what Moses said in the Old Testament? Or rather, he recorded that the Father said to him in the Old Testament, I am that I am. Well, he was, that was a title for God. He wouldn't let him name him anything back then. Because he was, he was God. He was just God. And there were, you couldn't put him in a box. You couldn't put him as a, a tree God or a river God or a sky God. Because he had made all that stuff. He was the God. I am the great I am. So it's not saying something maybe that you would recognize, but when you hear a personality or a person, let me tell you, let me tell you one of the ver- first ways to recognize, to be worried. Let me just say to be worried. When someone shows up on the political or religious stage and says, I can save you. Not Jesus can save you, but I can save you. Watch out. Watch out. I mean, I'm going to continue to vote. I'm going to continue to be politically active as long as until they come get me, I guess. I'm going to do that. Yeah, they're going to, hey, they're coming for you too. They're coming for you too. You just stay in love with Jesus Christ. Call him your Lord and Savior. You just keep telling the people at work, well, I'll tell you what changed my life was when I met Jesus Christ. You just keep telling your kids, there's going to be a historical case. You're going to see it on CNN and Fox News where that first couple is going to be arrested because they shared the gospel with their child and led them to Christ. That day is coming. They're going to call it a form of child abuse because we're teaching them to be racist and bigots. Tell them to come on. No, I'm sorry, Lord. That was in the flesh. I said that in the flesh. I shouldn't have said that. Those days are coming. Tell them about Jesus. Don't tell them to come on. Tell them about Jesus. Amen? Somebody please pray for me. I'm drifting. This phrase is used several times in the New Testament. It's used in 1 Corinthians 15 and 13. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So it's used there. It's used in Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. When talking about God's, God's going to come and show up and take care of business. In 2 Timothy 3 and 13, when he talks about the world being growing worse and worse, uh, being misled. In Hebrews, it talks about how God is searching for those who have been misled. In Hebrews 5, 1 through 4, it says, 
um, in 5 and 2. And he can deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided. That's the same word. Since he himself is also beset with weakness. And because of, his, because of, he, because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people, as also for himself. Talking about different kinds of priests. He wants us to be careful about misplaced affections, number one. And number two, he is w- warning us about unholy deceptions that are going to take place. Brothers and sisters, don't be deceived. Third, he talks about fearful distractions. There's going to come distractions, and I think we're seeing these even today. Verse 7 says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. So you see that the goal that Jesus had partly was not only to inform them and to tell them this stuff was coming, but he knew that it was a very great possibility for us as human beings to be fearful. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For the nation, for nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginnings of the birth pangs. Now, you know, any of you who know your history at all, you know at the beginning of the 19th century, there was a different theology that Baptists embraced. And it, that theology said that one day we were going to make the world a better and a better place, and finally we were going to make this world so good that God was just going to show up and say, nice job, and we were going to start the millennial kingdom. And then the First World War happened. A few years later, that theology was still hanging on a little bit. We, even, lots of denominations thought, we're going we're to make the world a better, better place, all these scientific innovations. Man, we're so smart. Things are going to be great. And the Second World War happened. And then Korea happened. And then Vietnam and the Cambodian genocide happened. And now you can't go back over the 19th and 20th century. You can't count them all. They find a million or two million or two people that were exterminated, wiped out all the time. And we don't even know about them. Buried in Russia, in the gulags. <laughs> you can't find parallel history like that. Can you, uh, Preston? Back in the first 1,800 years of, of, since Christ, you can't find what's happening in the 19th and 20th century. You can't find incidents like that. So I think that some of these early birth pains of these massive wars are going to happen. And Jesus wanted us not to be distracted from our work and to be careful of these fearful distractions. You're going to be hearing about these things, but that is not yet the end. What are some of the things that have facilitated these these events? One of the things I think is communication. We live in a world of instantaneous communication. Somebody in the back row is Googling something right now that Brother Mike said, and they can have it like that. Where it used to be, they'd have to go home, look through an encyclopedia they might have, and then go down to the public library, check out two or three books, get a library to help them to find it. You can know it just like that. And I'm telling you, part of that is good, but a lot of that is bad as well. Because not everything out there that there is to know is good to know. Not everything that's out there is good to know. But instantaneous communication. I was talking to my daughter Megan, and I told her, I said, you know, one blessing that I've had in my life that you never have. And she said, what's that, Daddy? I said, I used to get off work at Hell Hostel when I worked at a um, food warehouse. Well, I would, I would uh, rather I would get up that morning to go to work. And I said, I, I talked to your mom for just a second. I would get in the car, get in the truck, go work that day. We would have had breakfast, work all day long. I said, get in my car, come back on the way home, stop at a pond, fish a little bit. And I said, I would get home that evening and see your mom never having talked on the phone one day. Because I didn't have a cell phone. Nobody could get to me. And I, I miss that. I miss that. And some of you are missing it right now. Brother Parker and I were talking about how in the services sometime in the future here, we're going to Im- include a moment of silence. And the reason that moment of silence is so powerful for congregations in the 21st century, it's just about 30 seconds. It's one of the longest 30 seconds of your life. When you just are quiet and listen. Because nobody has a chance to be quiet anymore and just to listen, be alone with your thoughts. There's always something playing, always information coming in. It has not affected us positively. So uh, communication has affected us, and also knowledge has affected us. So much knowledge. I learned quite interestingly enough uh, back in my undergrad studies that at one time in the world, they had all the known knowledge that you could know that could be written down, and they had it in one set of encyclopedias. It's a very famous old set. You can't get it. They're priceless. But at one time, everything that mankind knew, you could put in one book. Well, you can't print enough chip, uh, uh, chips uh, or disks 
or microcircuits to put it on, all the stuff that they know. They know stuff about, they, they have machines thinking up stuff that they don't even know. I mean, they've got machines just running day and night making up stuff now. They call it artificial intelligence, IT. That, you, I, that's serious. There's a real science to that. That is not good. It sure hadn't made us a better world, has it? It hasn't stopped the killing in Chicago Street, where a young man would take a gun and go kill somebody over a pair of tennis shoes. How smart do you have to be to know as a, as a culture that's not a good thing? That was the third thing, is to be, beware of fearful distractions. Number four, beware, be wary of betrayal and persecution. This is kind of hard to talk about. Verse 9 says, but, so, but be on your guard, same word, lepto, watch out for this, for they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my name's sake as a testimony to them. Um, at some point, it's going to spiral down so bad that even the family structures are not going to hold together. Now, I've got to be careful here because the family structures that have not been held together by Christ will not be able to hold together. The family structures that have preached Christ and have taught their children about Christ and told them that this was coming and to be anticipating it, I think there will be whole families that will, there will, be whole families that will go ahead and say yes to Christ and no to Satan and they'll lose their life. They'll be martyred. Who's teaching their children like that? Who teaches their child like that? That this is coming one day and you have to be faithful. Um, many of you, see, we have a lot of school teachers here, but you know, my children, all three of my children came home after the Holocaust studies. Daddy, what would we do? I mean, that's the first thing that comes to their mind. Gee, this really happened? A man named Adolf Hitler killed off all these millions of people? And you know, they know a little bit about the Bible at that time in their young age, and so, so they come home, I say, it's gonna be all right. God will get us through it. He told us it was coming. He will empower you to be able to stand. And that's one of the things that Jesus said, you're going to be able to stand and you're going to be able to speak. Those of you who are afraid to share your testimony now, I've got, got some encouragement for you. It's not you who's speaking anyway, but it's the Holy Spirit in you. And you've got to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit to, to talk to people at work, to talk to people uh, wherever you uh, go, your recreation, who you go to school with. You have to depend on the Holy Spirit to give you the courage to stand amongst your friends and say, I know this man, I know the answer to this question. It's Jesus. You have to have a relationship with Christ. He'll guide you in your life. He'll help you with your career, your husband, your children. But the ultimate thing about Jesus is, is he's just Jesus, and he's great to know. He, he's a worthy king to be worshipped. But these days of betrayal and persecution are coming. Are you ready to suffer, to stand, and to speak? Now, this is not a feel-good sermon this morning, but it is the truth. It's the truth about things and days that are, coming, that are coming to the world. Daniel wrote about this in Daniel chapter 12. He said this same thing, the same apocalyptic study. Now, at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will rise. And there will be a great time of distress such as never occurred since the nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal the book up until the end of the time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Whoa. Sounds like the New Testament, doesn't it? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sounds like the papers that we read today. 
Did you know that the day after Christ comes and raptures the church and takes us all home who are Christians, did you know the day after there will be church services? That's right. There will be people who are members of Baptist churches and they thought they were all right. You know, they signed a card or they shook the preacher's hand or their grandmama was a Greek Christian and they were depending on that. And that next Sunday, there will be people in, in church. They'll be having services. Meals will be cooked. Jobs will be attended. Somebody will clean up the mess. Somebody will be going to an office job, others to a manufacturing job. Children will be, will be put to bed at night. Maybe not by their parents, but children will be put to bed the, night, the day that Christ returns for his church. Because mom and daddy got to know Jesus at some time in their life. Somebody witnessed to them and they were saved. But they never took the time to lead their children. And there will be some children who are of the age of accountability. And mom and dad will be raptured. And it will be somebody else who puts that child to bed. This is all going to happen. It's going to happen. And just like, just like that housing fell where the foundation is washed away and washed away, you know it's coming. Christian, listen, if you're truly a Christian, the Spirit of God is bearing witness with this passage. You know these days are coming. We went to help do some cleanup in uh, Oklahoma around, uh, oh, Brenda, where was it we did that? When we packed those boxes, remember when we did all that stuff? More Oklahoma. Thank you, honey. And with the destruction, you can't believe. Everywhere you look, the trees, the homes, sometimes just slabs left. And uh, you just can't believe what, what you're looking at. It's overwhelming. But a friend of ours, we were helping up there in Oklahoma City, said, come here, I want to show you, take you to the miracle place. And they took us out to this field, and there was a pond. There used to be a house there. The house was gone. But there was a pond out by this house. The grass had been plucked up. We were standing, you know, when you looked at it from the, the sky, from, the, from an aerial view, this big old swath, the grass had been sucked out of the ground. Everything was gone. The trees tore up. And over on the side of a pond, this 89-year-old man and woman went and laid down on the side of the pond because they, they said the Lord just told them to get up and get, get out of the house. So they got up, they left the house, they went to the side of the pond, a flat pond, by the way, and they just laid down. And she said, Herbert, we, we need to get up and move over just a little bit. So they got up, they moved over a little bit, and then they laid down. And there was no grass, but there were two little green patches of grass where that man and woman laid. And they, that was a famous story in that part of Moore, Oklahoma, how God had reached down from heaven during that storm and put his hand over them. And when the storm went by, it took everything else, but it didn't take them. Listen, guys, that's all, we're, that's all Pruitt Baptist Church is, is selling, is sharing with you, is that there are bad times coming, but we know a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And when he puts his blood and his son and his hand down over you, it's all right. This whole world's going, but you won't. You won't be destroyed. You'll be saved. You'll spend eternity in heaven with a man named Jesus, praising God if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Have you done that? Have you done that? These days are coming. You are listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. Today, if you have a Bible with you, I want you to turn with me to a passage of scriptures found over in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. That's a favorite for Mother's Day sermons because it talks about, and today the subject is titled, The Marks of a Majestic Mother. The Marks of a Majestic Mother. Theodore Roosevelt once said, When all is said, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother who does her part in rearing and training aright the men and women of the next generation, is of greater use to the community and occupies, if she only would realize it, a more honorable as well as a more important position than any man in it. The mother is the one supreme asset of the national life. She's more important by far than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. Folks, what Roosevelt was saying is that the most important job in all of the world is motherhood. And it should not be taken lightly because mothers literally have the power 
to be able to change and shape the future of our entire world. That's why I want to talk to you today about the marks of a majestic mother. The passage is Proverbs chapter 31. It's verse 10 through 31. It has a lot to say. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. That means he has a good reputation when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favors deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Today we want to talk about the marks of a majestic mother. First of all, I want you to notice what our scripture says, that a majestic mother lives nobly, lives nobly, or lives a noble life. In fact, if you look at another, a different translation, you may be reading another translation, you will discover that they use the word noble instead of virtuous. And the reason that they do that is because nobody talks about virtue anymore. Maybe we should. Maybe we should spend time. The scripture says, who can find a virtuous woman? That word virtuous means Chaste and pure, moral and noble. All of those things are true whenever it comes to the word virtue. That word is found three times in the book of Proverbs. It's only found one other time in all of the rest of the Old Testament. And it's the word which was used by Boaz in making reference to Ruth. He said, all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous, that thou art a virtuous woman. It is true that a woman of virtue is more valuable than material possessions. As he said, her price is far above rubies. You see, when a young man looks for a mate, he wants a woman of virtue. He wants a woman of virtue. A man who has a noble wife, the scripture says, has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. He knows that he has a woman that is dependable and a woman that can be trusted if you stop to think about it, employers and organizations, you know, ladies, uh, why all of these, all of these uh, charities and all of these things come around and they look for you and they want to put you into their, into their, uh, into their staff, whatever it is that they're doing. It's because they trust you. Employers and organizations, charities and churches are searching for virtuous women to work and to serve and to volunteer and to minister. And the reason that they do that is because they know that you can get the job done. You see, if you need something done, a mother can get it done. She might not be able to do it herself, but she can find people who will. A noble woman is in high demand and is worth her weight in gold. So first of all, a virtuous woman or a majestic mother lives nobly. The second thing I want you to notice here is that a majestic mother whew, labors diligently. A majestic mother labors diligently. You ever wonder why whenever you get ready to go to bed you're so tired? It's because you've been busy. You've been working. You've been 
laboring. The scripture refers to the responsibilities here of motherhood long ago. In fact, at least part of the writing of Proverbs is attributed to Solomon around the 10th century B.C. And, and at that time, a mother's labors were, uh, were a little different. Yes, we, you've heard, you heard me read it a while ago. They were a little different, but it required great diligence. Back in those days, she made her own fabric. Let's see a show of hands. I didn't think so. Back in those days, she sewed by hand. Let's see a show of hands. We got one of those at the house that you do this way. One of those treadle deals. Doesn't work, but it's been a long time since I've seen the other one with electricity work, too. Somebody bail me out, will you? Uh, but it's okay. I'm not going to go deeper. Okay, now listen to this one. She walked to the market. The mother in that day, she walked to the market. And, and part of the time, she didn't even have to go to the market. She walked out into the field to get what she needed. She, she ground her own meal. Been a long time, hasn't it? She ground her own meal. She carried water from the well. Now, I'm not going to have you raise hands because there's several of you that have done that, carried the water from the well. She butchered her own meat. She tilled and planted her own garden. She took care of all of that. And that's why she was taking care of her children. Now, I realize we live in a different era with our modern conveniences. But the management of a household even today rivals the responsibilities of the management of a, at least a small business or maybe even a fair-sized business. The scripture describes a mother like the merchant ships. Like the merchant ships. The merchant ships go to and fro. They take product from one place to another and then they turn around and take product from that place back to the first or back to another place. Now, whenever you stop to think about it, maybe you... Don't, don't see the connection there, but just think about what it is you do every day. I realize you're not driving a ship, but you're driving something. Most of the day, you spend time going to and from, from here to there, picking up and delivering. Most of the time, it's children, but that's good. Have you, ever, have you followed the mother around lately? Guys, you ought to do that sometime. She can wash clothes and dry clothes and clean house and make beds and prepare a meal all at the same time. While she's looking after her children or her grandchildren. And she does all of that and she has time to plan birthday parties, volunteer at school, attend programs, go to ball games, concerts, art, science fairs, and stock shows. You see, what I'm saying is that a majestic mother labors diligently. The third thing I want you to notice that he says here is a majestic mother loves devotedly. A majestic mother loves devotedly. Listen, to be a majestic mother, you have to love your family. You have to love your children. And you devote yourself to them. I want to tell you something. It's not about you. It's about them. If we could all get that kind of an attitude to realize that I'm not the most important person in the universe. Now, you may think you are, but let me tell you, you're not. And whenever it comes to a family, you have to be devoted to your family. Ladies, you have to be devoted to your husband. It describes that, verse 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. In verse 23, it says, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She's devoted to her husband, and she's devoted to her children, and then these, she's devoted to grandchildren. You see, a majestic mother loves devotedly. And despite the fact that her family is her first priority, she still has time and energy to care for the poor and the needy. Verse 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. You see, you, you care, you love people. And because you love people, you want to take action to be able to help people. And that's what love is. Did you know that? Love is action. Love is what we do. It's not just what we say. It's not just what we feel. But love is what we do. First John chapter 4 and verse 7 begins like this. John says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
God is love. In this is, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That word propitiation means atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Listen, He not only tells us here of the action of God's love toward us, He not only tells us of the indwelling of God's love in us, but He also tells us of our responsibility. Listen, God's love is not to be gathered up and stored. God's love is to be taken in and poured out. You know, if you take if you take water and you pour you a bucket full of water and you set it up and just hang on to it, it'll eventually get a little bit rank. But if you take clear, pure water, pouring it into a bucket and pouring it out of the bucket, if you're drinking out of the bucket regularly, then you'll find that it that it won't get stale. The water won't get stale, but it'll remain clean and pure. And that's the way with God's love. Some people just try to say, "Okay, God, I want you to pour your love out." And you open up and God pours His love into you and you just hold on and hold on and hold on. Listen, that's not what God's love is. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's about. He gave it to you. And he gave you the responsibility to share it with others. To share it with others. A majestic mother loves devotedly. Number four, a majestic mother leads wisely. Verse 26, she opened up her mouth with Wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. A majestic mother leads wisely. One characteristic of motherhood which is most needed, yet difficult to gain, is wisdom. And I know that to be true because, you see, there are times whenever your children will spring something on you that you didn't know about, something that's been going on, and all of a sudden you've got to figure out how to handle it. Mama, what do I do about this? And you go... Oh, but you know what? There's a problem because you don't have time to say, I'll get back to you. So you have to be, you have to be in touch with the wise one. You have to be in touch with God because God gives wisdom. And whether you realize it or not, He can give you that wisdom in, a, in an instant. Wisdom is needed in making decisions. Wisdom is needed in managing money. Wisdom is needed in disciplining children. And don't fail to do that. Please, don't fail to do that. And wisdom is needed in prioritizing, putting first things first. Wisdom is taught us by a teacher in a class, but wisdom is learned by the example of a mother. You see, if you live wisely, then you show your children how to live wisely. You show your neighbor's children how to live wisely. You reveal to others what it means to be wise. I read this one day. Mothers, you have to know when to hold them and know when to scold them. You have to know when to work and know when to play. You have to encourage them to do better while you show them their mistakes. Wow. You have to expect their best but you have to know how high to set the standard. You have to let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. And you need to agree with your husband in all of those areas. Your job is a difficult job, but it's not impossible. Bless the Lord. A word of encouragement here. You discover how to do your job by seeking wisdom from Almighty God. Number five, most importantly, okay, number five, most importantly, comes from verse 30. A majestic mother lives by faith. A majestic mother lives by faith. I am going to say it one time. The most important thing that you can do for your children or your family or anybody else is to believe in God. Believe in God. Listen, you cannot, it's an impossibility 
to be the mother that God talks about in His Word without first knowing God through faith in Jesus Christ, knowing Him in the forgiveness of sin, without entering into a relationship with Almighty God. Faith is the undergirding foundation for all of the other characteristics. It's the undergirding foundation for all of the other great, majestic characteristics of motherhood. Ladies, you just can't possibly be the kind of mother you need to be without knowing God and without having the leadership of the Holy Spirit to guide you to do God's will. You need Him to prompt you. You need Him to encourage you. You need Him to enable you and strengthen you to be all that you can be and all that you need to be, not only in the service of God, but also in the service and ministering to your own family. So the most important thing you will ever do is to commit your life to God through faith in Jesus Christ. He says favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. We put a lot of stock in those things in our culture today. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. The one who fears God, the one who has faith in God is the mother that will be remembered. Some of you remember, some of you may have lost your mothers, and you remember your mother, and you remember the great things, you remember the good things that they did, you remember the way that they took care of you, but you remember their faith if your mother was a mother of faith. You remember their faith because what happened was whenever things became impossible, they depended on God through faith, and when they depended on God through faith, it all worked out because God can do that. And he listens to a prayer to the prayer of a mother. When President McKinley heard his mother was dying, he wired home saying, tell mother I'll be there. Charles Fillmore picked up on the president's message and he composed a hymn which was sung by gospel singer Charles Alexander all around the world in his evangelistic tour with Dr. R.A. Torrey. And Torrey said this of the song. He said, no other gospel song ever written brought so many men to conviction and decision for Jesus Christ. Here's the words of the song. When I was but a little child, how well I recollect how I would grieve my mother with my folly and neglect. But now that she has gone to heaven, I miss her tender care. Oh, Savior, tell my mother I'll be there. Tell mother I'll be there in answer to her prayer this message, blessed Savior, to her bear. Tell mother I'll be there, heaven's joys with her to share. Yes, tell my darling mother I'll be there. My friend today, young and old alike, there is no greater gift that you could give your mother on Mother's Day than to give your heart to God through faith in Christ. And mother, there is no greater gift that you can give your family than to give your heart to God through faith in Christ. When I was pastoring in Dripping Springs, it was on a Mother's Day Sunday. And there was a couple sat over on this side, a young man, a young woman, a small child, a young child, two to three years old, something like that, sitting over here. And I preached a message similar to this. And that morning at the time of the invitation, I looked up and here came that woman down that aisle. She came down and she came across and she came up to me, tears streaming down her face. I didn't know her. She was a visitor, I guess a first-time visitor. I'd never met her before. And she came up and I asked her her name. She told me her name and, and I asked her, why have you come today? And she said, because I want to be the kind of mother that I need to be and I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Well, her tears were mingled with mine on the floor at that point. Here was a young woman who was willing to put aside her pride. She was willing to put aside anything that would keep her from coming. She had heard what God said to her. The Spirit of God spoke to her heart. You know, all you have to do to follow God is just turn loose. Just turn loose. She let go. She let go of the back of that pew and took one step into the aisle. And God delivered her and she came to faith in Jesus Christ. She believed in him. She said, I don't want my child to grow up with a mother who doesn't know God. If we could just somehow or another 
in our minds and in our hearts come to the reality that it's really not about us. I get tickled when I hear people talking about me time. Listen, me time comes after their time, after your children's time. They're not going to wait, okay? If you don't show them, they'll find somebody who will. If you don't lead them, they'll find somebody who will show them, and those people are going to show them the wrong way. It's your responsibility. Gee, preacher, thanks a lot. But the amazing thing about it is when you're doing and fulfilling your responsibility as a parent, as a mother, God is filling in all of the spaces. He's busy helping you do what He's called you to do. Now, mothers, I want you to know something. You're called because you wouldn't have a child if it wasn't for God. He's the one who, who makes those little children and gives them to you. And even though they may not have an instruction manual right away, He's your instruction manual. Depend on Him. Trust in Him. Ask Him. Look to Him. Read His Word so that you might discover how to be a majestic mother. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for these mothers, these ladies. Father, for we, we just pray your blessings upon each and every one of them. But Father, I also pray that you'll help us each to, to, to look inward and to see, Father, uh, where you are in, in the list of priorities in our lives. And Father, while our children and our husbands and and our wives are all so valuable and so important to you. You're more because you are our source of strength. You are our guide. You are the one who leads us and shows us the way. So, Father, help us first to look to you. And I pray, Father, for any mother who's here today who's not ever accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Dear God, I pray that today might be the day. Father, I pray that they'll turn loose that they'll quit depending on themselves and come to Jesus today. And I pray for children today, and all of us are children, that, Father, we might realize that, that Jesus died on the cross for all of us, that He gave His life that our sins might be covered by His sweet, precious blood. And, dear Father, I pray You'll speak to hearts today. Lord, draw them to Yourself today and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas. A podcast of the service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473. KCAA Loma Linda. Listen online at www.kcaaradio.com. This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. It seems like the stuff of science fiction, a robotic car that needs no human driver. That dream has come true, but... Is it a dream or a nightmare? As a roboticist, I'm obviously advocating for the development of this technology, but there's a difference between developing and researching technology and then deploying it on public roads. Then, every day, accidental medicine poisoning sends over 100 youngsters to the emergency room, and some of them don't survive. What can parents do to protect their children? Almost half of parents incorrectly believe that child resistant means a child won't be able to get into it at all. And so we still need parents to store that up in a way out of a child's reach. Don't go away. InfoTrack comes your way right after this. Each morning before you wake, you dream of breakfast like mom used to make. Eggs, bacon, potatoes too Can't wait to eat all this amazing food Then the alarm bell rings And no one's cooking you anything Real life is hard When your morning is hell 
Have breakfast with a fried egg shell. Get two naked egg tacos for just $3.49. All the breakfast you love wrapped in a fried egg shell. Only at Taco Bell. At participating stores for a limited time during breakfast hours. Prices may vary. Tax extra. You can't take a 700-horsepower IndyCar out on the road, but you can take the tires. The new Firehawk high-performance tires from Firestone are built with racing-inspired technology and have better wet and dry handling than ever before. Now the only thing missing is a pit crew. Hi, Dad. Well, that's a start. Find your perfect Firehawk performance tire at your local Firestone retailer. Whatever you drive, drive a Firestone. GEICO presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. You can't predict when a pipe will burst, but when one does, you'll have quite a mess on your hands. So today, I'll show you how to prep for water damage by covering everything you own in plastic wrap. All you need is a lot of patience and 15,000 feet of plastic wrap. Now let's get started. You could try to protect your stuff by covering it in plastic wrap, or you could get covered for personal property damage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today, and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than $0.02 per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 2000 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 2000. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. It seems like the stuff of science fiction, a robotic car that needs no human driver. But a recent pedestrian death involving a driverless Uber car in Arizona has raised serious questions about the futuristic vehicles. Are they ahead of their time? Can they really be safe on high-speed roads or in complex traffic situations? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talks with a robotics expert who shares her views on the subject. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Missy Cummings, Ph.D., professor in the Duke University Pratt School of Engineering, the Duke Institute of Brain Sciences, and she's the director of the Humans and Autonomy Laboratory and Duke Robotics. We aren't going to hash over the specifics of any one incident, but in general, you've been a critic of how quickly driverless technology is being tested on public roads across the country. Can you tell us why you're so concerned? Well, first, I want to say that I am a fan of the technology, and as a roboticist, I'm obviously advocating for the development of this technology. But there's a difference between developing and researching technology and then deploying it 